You're listening to the What Do You Actually Do podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview, a useful tip or encouraging message to help you find your place in the professional world. Hello and welcome to this episode of What Do You Actually Do? My name is Kate Morris and I'll be your host today. In today's episode, we'll be talking about non-academic jobs after a PhD and the educational computer games sector. Today, we're joined by Nick Lissaman, who works as Chief Academic Officer at Game Learning. So, Nick, what do you actually do? Hi, Kate. Uh, It's a pleasure to be talking with you today. Um, So, as you said, I work for a company called Game Learning. And we make educational video games with a focus on history geared towards elementary school students. Um, And what is my role there? Uh, Well, Mm. um, I like to think of myself, I have a kind of a fancy title, but uh, I like to think of myself as the in-house historian. Uh, Probably the majority of my time is actually spent on game development. Uh, And that's really not from the technical side of things. Um, As you said, I have a PhD in history. So uh, that's kind of the background that I'm bringing to this role. Um, Really, uh, it's it's kind of all of the conceptual um, parts of of game development. Um, Everything from start to finish, from uh, figuring out what are we going to make our next game about, um, what is the time going to be? What is the, you know, the, uh, the place, mm-hmm. where's the setting? What is the, the length of the story? Um, I'll actually do a lot of historical research for each game and that's going to go into informing, uh, what is the story going to be? Who are the characters going to be? Uh, what are the educational takeaways, um, that, that we want, that we think are important? Um, I also do a lot of visual research. So, Um, finding um, contemporary historical visual images for our uh, art team um, so that they can kind of flesh out this environment, Mm. this digital environment, and um, build digital assets, the things in the environment, the people, the clothing, the buildings, you know, all all of those um, things. So it's kind of all-encompassing. It's not just, you know, here's a bit of history research. It's the every element of it really and it sounds like you're liaising a lot with lots of different colleagues who are doing the sort of technical stuff exactly yeah so i I mean i'd say part of my role is actually a lot of learning um you know figuring out what is it that goes into game development what are Mm. the technical things and and that makes me uh, better at liaising with uh with with people who maybe don't also speak history as a as a native (laughs) yeah so uh, part of what I'm also doing is kind of trying to get out of my own head and, uh, uh, yeah, just thinking about what is it that I know that I'm taking for granted. And um, certainly, you know, part of what I'm trying to do kind of big picture is communicate a vision of of history, of specific things in history, of historical concepts to, uh, you know, to uh, kids, to, to people who are about 10 years old. So that, that means kind of clarifying a lot of things, right? Uh, taking these big, complicated ideas. And in grad school, you kind of gravitate towards the complexity, but it's, it's about making things legible, understandable um, for, for, for young people. So um, yeah, definitely, there's a lot of communication involved in mm. what I So what was your starting point in all this? How did your interest in history and sort of education develop? (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question. I I mean, I've always kind of been interested in education, you know, long time uh, from when I was in high school. I did a lot Mm. of tutoring. 
I really enjoyed that. I, I mean, I think for the same exact reason, gets you out of your own head. You have to kind of think empathetically. How do other people understand this problem? Why aren't they kind of able to solve it? What's the what's kind of the piece of the puzzle that they're not getting? Uh, and how can I help them get there? It's amazing how your current role is kind of a combination of stuff that you really started exploring in your PhD. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, as a PhD student, you would be teaching. So you're gaining that insight into what makes a good educational resource, how students learn, how to facilitate learning, etc. And then also having to upskill your digital side of things with the, the more technical side of the map stuff you're researching. Yeah, yeah bringing that all together now in your current role, I'm guessing it's extremely helpful to have that technical experience and insight that you've got, but along with the really high level academic qualifications and experience that you've got. Yeah, definitely. And and I mean, I just think the the world is changing. It's, it's always changing. But, um, you know, a, a part of part of what I want to say is that, you know, the way the economy operates is, is changing in from, you know, uh, I, I think the the ability to synthesize, in particular, I seem to be using that word a lot today, but uh, I, I think is is going to be crucial. So, um, you know, taking one experience, having another experience, and being able to kind of uh, put them into conversation with each other, I, I think there's there's going to be a lot of room for creativity in the future, um, which I think is a good thing. Um, and and I you know for me. I, I didn't really necessarily have an end path in mind when I was doing any of this, um, other than I kind of felt at some intuitive level, this is valuable, I enjoy this. Um, and I think that, that that kind of message frequently is left out of education, you know, that, that uh, actually there, there's a reason to maybe pursue what you like doing, what you find interesting. Um, so it's, it's a balance, right? It's a balance of uh, what's practical, but also what do I enjoy? So how did, I mean, your, your job's pretty niche. How did you find out that there was an opportunity? Did you see it advertised? Did the guy yeah, get in a... touch with you? How, how did that all happen? <laughs> so I um, was finishing up a year as a visiting assistant professor at a small liberal arts college. I had no idea what I was going to be doing next. I had a few... Uh, applications outstanding, but I hadn't uh, heard from any anybody at that point. And so I was kind of like, well, maybe <laughs> maybe it's time to face reality here. <laughs> Get a job. <laughs> I know. Um, so I, um, you know, was in touch with the uh, DGS, the Director of Graduate Studies um, at the University of Southern California, which is where I did my PhD. And, you know, he had circulated a few messages about people looking for historians. Um, and in particular, you know, USC being uh, in Los Angeles, uh, it's you kind of get a lot of uh, offers from people in in uh, in show business. So um, so I, I uh, you know, I, I reached out to the DGS to uh, to him about uh, about those about those uh, jobs that he had advertised. He sent their information along. They went nowhere. Uh, but what did happen? The the DGS kind of knew I was uh, looking uh, for uh, you know this kind of employment outside of the academy, and so he forwarded an email 
before sending it on to the department from this this guy uh, who is now my uh, boss and who is in the process of starting this company. And I saw that email. I just, you know, he had this concept of video games to teach history. Uh, didn't know much else at that point. But uh, I was like, yes, this is perfect. This is exactly uh, what I want to do. I called him like three seconds later. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it helped that I was so uh, into the idea and, and enthusiastic about it. And uh, I think he picked up on that. And uh, we've been collaborating ever since. So It's clear that you need to have loads of kind of historical research skills the ability to sort of be think creatively liaise with lots of different people mm -hmm. any other sort of key strengths or qualities that you'd say you you need to have if you want to work in this kind of historical consultancy and a sort of computer games digital kind of world yeah um well i mean i think first of all writing being able to write well is about 90 percent of what, whatever the specific thing is that i'm doing it's it's almost always through writing, you know. Uh, sure, there's there's some conversations, but a lot of it's happening through writing. So being a strong writer um, has been crucially important. And and I think the thing to say about writing is it's not just a tool of communication. It's also a tool for figuring out what you think and uh, helping you uh, to you know force yourself to kind of explain everything. Right? If if uh, if you can't do that to you with yourself. Uh, that's probably not very good writing. It's probably not going to communicate your ideas very well either. Um, I think being able to think empathetically is, uh, I, uh, again, a huge thing. I mean, as we were talking about, it's it's important to liaising, but it's also important for, uh, it's one of the, my favorite things about history. You, you have to empathize with these people that you're studying. Uh, you have to kind of see the world from uh, their, their perspective. And, you know, why did they make this choice and not that choice, right? I would have made this choice, but they didn't. So why was that? Um, and especially the further back you go, the weirder people get <laughs> from a, from a you know, modern perspective. So um, you really have to work very hard. So so I, I find it incredibly useful because, you know, why did the programmer do this? So, you know, uh, creative as well, though, isn't it? Because you're yeah. you're empathizing, but you're having to imagine what it would be like and then think about how to make that engaging for a small child. Yeah, exactly. And fun. Yeah. Fun and engaging. Yeah, exactly. Um, so any sort of final words of wisdom for PhD students who are thinking about a non-academic career, uh, any sort of top tips you'd give them? I, I just, my, my words of wisdom are um, that actually you're doing a lot of things where, where you're kind of learning transferable skills and, you know, uh, just kind of if you can break out of your mindset a little bit, talk to some non-academic people, do some non-academic activities, I think it, it might be very helpful for uh, figuring out, what, you know, all the value of everything that you're doing, even if it's not kind of because you've specifically found this one thing that, you know, matters to three people. I think that's yeah. important. I think, you know, I see PhD students who are having to, you know, think of other options. And I think that's really nice to think, actually, there's a positive way to look at what you've gained from this experience. It's yeah. not that it's a failure to not continue in academia. You could have a, a really great career outside of academia, even a better career outside of oh, academia. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And that it, these, yeah. thing, these skills are valued and that you're valued. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and the other thing I would say is, uh, 
you know, don't don't wait until you're done with a PhD to start thinking about it. Um, because the earlier you start thinking about it, and I think this is true um, uh, doing an undergraduate degree as well. Um, uh, you know, if, if you're thinking about what is it that I might want to do, what are the skills that I might need to have, you can start trying to build those things, um, you know, before you get to the end of the tunnel. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, plan, a, plan ahead a little bit. But uh, and the, then the one last thing I would say, and, and this is definitely true for undergrads as much as, as grads, is project. If you can do some learning that is project based, do it. Um, I, I think uh, those those are where those are the opportunities where you really see how do these skills actually apply in doing something real, you know, not just in uh, writing uh you know, a paper at uh, one in the morning or whatever it is. <laughs> and I guess also the benefit of doing a project is there's a specific outcome. So you can exactly. see the impact that you've had. You can kind exactly. of try and explain that to an employer. Um, so kind of, you know, through an internship, some sort of work experience thing, or I guess even a project in your own time, but just testing out an idea, seeing it through to the end and then reviewing it. Yeah, exactly. Or if there are classes where there's a project component. Um, uh, so, you know, I mean, that was, again, one of the takeaways from doing that master's uh, in geographic information, science and technology. Um, we do, There were a lot of project-based, um, you know, learning opportunities in that. And uh, it was eye-opening for me. So, uh Totally recommend. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Nick, uh, and for all your words of wisdom. It's been really, really interesting to talk to you. Um, I'm going to add some relevant links to the episode description where people can see if they want to get into computer games and the sectors that we've talked about. There's lots of information there and also a link to the full transcript of today's show. But uh, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure uh, talking with you. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on What Do You Actually Do? This episode was hosted by myself, Kate Morris, edited by Raquel Bartra and produced by both of us. If you love this podcast, spread the word and subscribe. Are you eager to get more tips? Follow University of York Careers and Placements on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. All useful links are in this episode description. This has been produced at the University of York Careers and Placements. For more information, visit york.ac.uk forward slash careers.